Hi, everyone. This is Marcy and Mahogany. We're back with the For All Hair Types podcast. Super excited to talk about one of our favorite topics to really go deep and unpack, which is beauty standards and where they come from. How did we get here? How have they shifted over the years? And yeah, um, how we all, um, I think, also evolve our own beauty standards and what we see out in the world and what we, I think it's a personal thing, right? Beauty is always something everyone, you hear the expressions, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but how do we see sometimes these trends that people, you know, large groups of people um, may want to gravitate towards or experiment with. So uh, I guess Mahogany, is there one beauty standard or something from your childhood or currently that, you know, something you've seen kind of persist, you know, how do you put your finger on like a specific beauty standard? I guess it's something that I've always wondered, like what makes something beautiful, you know, in your eyes or or maybe different for you than, you know, for me, I think it'd be interesting for us to talk about like what you find beautiful. Oh man. Um, I think you and I will agree on authenticity in beauty, like, you know, taking enhancement, right? Like taking what you are and just like enhancing the things that you love about yourself. Like for me, whether that's like my outward facing look or just like, you know, how I'm showing up in the world as a human being, I definitely feel like authenticity is a huge piece of it. And I think that, um, I think authenticity is also like a beauty standard disruptor. Like, I think that like it, because it encompasses so much, so much authenticity, like charges you to be yourself. Um, whether you are big, small, brown, you know, black, light, whatever, like all of the things, like all of the things that you are, are, are beautiful. And how do you get to like, um, how do you get to that place where you not only know it, um, for yourself, but you embody it and, and feel confident expressing it. Right. Like, I think that that piece is like, there's, there's so many outside factors that take you from that. Like, I, hell, I really like my lips. I like my mouth. My mouth is beautiful. I think it's a beautiful mouth. Like I like putting lipstick on it. I like wearing, you know, chapstick. I like wearing lip gloss, like all of those things, but knowing that like my top lip is darker than my bottom lip. Right. And knowing that that was something that I got made fun of, like, how do I go from like thinking that this is beautiful, not just the size, but the shape and the color, but like, then like what influences me to like get to that point where I can look at my mouth now and say, wow, I really love how, how my mouth looks. I love my lips. I love the color of them. I love that. Like I can have like a little bit, like, I think it actually creates a little bit more drama because my bottom lip is, is bigger and lighter. So it shows up more and like, it kind of balances my face out. Like, but there are really so many factors that really kind of help you to get, from one place to another when it comes to those beauty standards. And I think authenticity just has its way that is so unique in creating, um, creating beauty out of everything, like just the realness of it. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, we've, we've trained ourselves to see beauty in, in certain ways. And these outside standards are very like exclusive. Um, but I think even now the beauty standards from when I was a kid to the beauty standards um, that I see coming full circle into the world now are, are vastly different. They're much more inclusive. And that piece is really, really pretty wonderful. 
So I would say for my opinion, beauty standards and what makes something beautiful is someone being, yes, authentic, but confident. I think it's normal. I'll use the analogy of when maybe some of us like started to wear heels the first time you see someone looking like a Bambi on ice, right? And I feel like sometimes when people try beauty standards of beauty, you know, playing with beauty that doesn't align with who they are. It comes across, right? Like they're uncomfortable or it's almost totally. like, you know, like wearing a tight dress and you're like, oh, is it too low? Is it too high? Like, I feel like, you know, that goes back to what you said about authenticity when you, you know, choose to like adorn yourself or enhance what you love. Or I think you mentioned it also features like we all grow up with like I like this part of my, you know, self, my body and wanting to highlight certain parts of your features. But what I also find interesting that we could talk about a little bit more is I feel like that comes from, is that us authentically gravitating towards parts of our being or is it other people who have like maybe consistently, you know, complimented certain parts of your being and not others. And so we want to just, again, continue to, enhance the parts that we know society finds pleasing about us right like I feel like um, I had a a really amazing English teacher growing up that said something to all of us ladies in a in a high school writing class she would talk about different topics I really love this you know one of those special teachers that um, just really stand out from your you know childhood and she would always say to us she was always a very glamorous woman um, very done up all the time And she said, you know, women dress for other women. You know, it's not necessarily for men because we're always trying to impress each other. So she's always, she brought that thought process into our mind about, you know, again, are you really choosing for yourself? Are you really choosing? So, you know, the cool girls at school or whoever you think is trendy is going to notice you and like give you a compliment. Like, are you making choices for yourself to be authentic and your own features? Or is it really to kind of like a competition of attention or, you know, being cool or being, you know, um, I think you said a mahogany in a podcast, like being accepted or fitting mm-hmm. in, like, these are all things that are, you know, are they really your choices or is it because you've gotten this positive reinforcement of, you know, Oh, you have really, you know, beautiful eyes or, you know, and that's the same thing you've heard all your life. But what if you, you know, maybe you have like thinner lips and they're beautiful too, but you've always downplayed it. Right. So I think that those dynamics of, we tend to like lean into some of our features because people have always told us and kind of assigned these things to us, you know, and we sometimes just, I don't know. I feel like we are susceptible to delivering on other people's expectations. So mm-hmm. what authenticity means and being confident, I find myself sometimes asking like, is that what I really like? Or is it because someone that I want to like me likes that? And therefore I'm going to just fall yes. into that trap of just being, you know, like I don't want to say obedient, but you know, essentially like, okay, well, that's what people like. So I'm just going to do that. You know, and maybe I hate it. You know, that's not something that I think growing up now in my late thirties, I've unpacked a little bit more about like, am I making decisions for myself or is it to receive a reaction from someone or, you know, come across a certain way, you know? And I think I always like make that parallel to fashion because I think it's similar, right? Like with hair, Mm -hmm. you know, it's style. So, you know, fashion, I think it's the same thing. It's like, you know, being sexy. Like, what does that even mean? Right. Like, right. Right. (laughs) 
Like, does sexy mean skin? Does sexy mean right. no skin? Because I, we can see it all the ways, right? Exactly. There's more than one way to be sexy or to be confident or be authentic. But there have been these kind of, I don't know, bottled up, you know, one note ways of, you know, again, media, celebrity, you know, people in the public eye or maybe businesses or corporations behind them who've kind of packaged the, this up and, you know, mm-hmm. gave us like, well, JLo is sexy. This is one brand of sexy. Everyone needs to, you know, be this, um, or, you know, we could use a million different people as examples, but I think it's, you know, to your point, beauty is in my opinion, confidence and, and really, feeling comfortable in your own skin and not necessarily one trend because, you know, I I think it's rare to see. And you think you, you see people kind of like aesthetically being the same person their whole life or people usually go through different shifts and evolution. So to me, it's impossible. Like you can only, you can't be like just beautiful in one way your whole life. That's just not like, (laughs) no, that doesn't make sense. No, that doesn't make any kind of sense. <clears throat> no, I totally get where you're coming from. And it's so interesting because like it shows up in so many different places in our lives, right? Like it shows up in in the decisions that we make. It shows up in the, the friends that we have. It shows up in the, you know, the people we're attracted to, the people who we want to attract to us. Um, one place that I find it really, really interesting and one place that's been a struggle for me and maybe why another like a subconscious reason I moved towards the beauty industry and working for myself was like workplace. Like the amount of clients that I have had that have sat in my chair that have been like, well, I can't do this with my hair because I have a professional job. I can't do this with my hair because, you know, I won't get the respect. Like I'm on a, I'm on this path and I'm trying to do these things. And so like, if I don't, have this look, I can't do those things. Um, and that to me is really, really interesting because, and again, this kind of goes back to like what we were talking about in the previous podcast, like what types of jobs are you looking for? What types of jobs are you putting yourself into? Like, and because of like what they will allow you to do, like as far as your, you know, how you portray yourself, um, why aren't you allowed to portray yourself in a business office the same way you would be in a hair salon if that's who you are and that's how you show up and that's how you feel comfortable? Um, and I think that a lot of it is is a lack of confidence, right? Mm-hmm. So, like the beauty standard that's supposed to uphold like confidence and authenticity and all these things is actually the thing that undermines it um, in yes. some really intense ways. And I mean you know me, I'm going to get all social justice on it. And I love that you will always go there with me because that's like how we roll. But I mean, for example, we have the Crown Act, right? And like the Crown Act is legislation that's being put in place in order to help protect black and brown folks who are wearing their hair naturally because they are being discriminated against. And like, when I think of the amount of times that I myself have experienced it, that's mind blowing. But then also, if you think about the amount of people who have experienced it um, on this level, you'd be, I think it's surprising to me that we, that we even need this legislation considering how many people are being affected by it. But I think it's the type of people being affected by it um, that makes this legislation necessary. And like, you know, especially when it comes to like black people and their hair, like that's like a historical manipulation like since we got here, you know, as black Americans in particular, right. Like, um, of the, 
of that whole thought process. Like we were brought over in these boats and the first thing that they did was shave every single human being. Like they shaved their hair off and that like that hair. I mean, obviously I don't know for sure. Like I, I wasn't there. Right. But like, when you look at, when you look at the African tribes from way back, like that their hair was used in so many different ways, right. As, as forms of communication. Um, so then to have them like pulled from their homeland, taken to a place that does not have the tools that does not have the products that does not have access to anything. And then to have your head shaved, like the controlling of black people through their hair. It's like, it's like as old as the United States itself. And, um, it's really interesting because the crown act is um, it's, it still hasn't passed in all 50 States, which is bonkers to me. And, and in fact, like I, I have some, I have some conversations that I'm going to have with some folks around Minnesota because Minnesota, we still haven't, we haven't passed the crown act. Um, and essentially when I think about something like this, I think about the why, um, yes. Like why is why? it needed? Yeah. Why is yeah. It Usually these things come about because of obviously there's situations and historical. It's not just a one-off. And you know, what I always have heard in the workplace, then you think about professional dress codes, employee manuals, and it's restri- you know, restriction restricting the way people show up to do their job and mm-hmm. essentially asking them to leave a part of who they are at home, which right. What does that have anything to do with your professional ability, your performance, your merit, your skill set? Absolutely nothing. It's all based Absolutely on nothing. bias and surface level historical, you know, just, well, we always do things this way, right? Accountants yep. wear only black and blue and you wear buttoned up and women wear pantyhose and. <laughs> oh my God. Like, when was the last time you wore pantyhose? I'm dead. You know, I'm thinking of like, I've had these conversations with my mother, you know, who, you know, worked in, you know, male dominated industry at some point as a salesperson and, you know, in scorching hot South Florida, hundred percent humidity being told to dress professional. And that means a suit and pantyhose. I mean, there's just bizarre things that you think of. And I love that. It's like not even a suit, like a pantsuit. Like it's a, it's a, it's a suit. You're a woman, you wear a skirt. A, a shirt and a jacket, pantyhose and heels, done and done. Right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And like, we huh. still haven't gotten to any, like none of this has anything to do with, right? Like professional performance, right? Like it's just like, well, it's all the, you know, the dress up part, basically. We're all going to, it's like when we're in school and we're going to play dress up, I'm going to be a doctor today. So you're telling me if I just put on a white, you know, coat and put a stethoscope around I am now a doctor, right? Not my yep. schooling, not my experience, but I have nope. to look the part. It's basically this look the part BS. Well, and I think a lot of challenge, like I think my biggest challenge with that is that's generally put on like women and black and brown folks. Like that, it's it's all in this like attempt to make us all look the same and assimilate. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when I think about you know, what it takes for me to wear my hair straight. Um, like I always tell the story about my husband and I 
when we first started dating, he asked me out and was like, Hey, like, can, can you hang it on this Sunday? And I was like, no, I'm washing my hair to which he thought I was like blowing him off. And I wasn't wash day was real serious for me because back then one, I didn't have the great tools or products that I have now, but also, or the skill set. but like, I mean, it just, it took a lot of time. So I had to go through and make sure that like cleansed, moisturized, treatment, blowout, smoothing, style. And then you had to like, let that style cool. And then you could like, you know, finish, excuse me, finish the style. Like there's so much work. I mean, one of the things that we teach a lot of uh, a lot of folks when they're working with curly hair, like especially in that thought process of like young stylists, future professionals from schools or, you know, whatnot, is like talking to a curly guest, I think, or what it is it on average, you can ask a, a, like an average guest who has straight or wavy hair. You can recommend five products to them and they will take three home right? That's, that's the like industry standard, right? But if you look at it from a curly perspective, and if you look at like the average curly to coily haired person, if you recommend them five products, depending on the size of those products, that person may take home more than five products because they are going to be looking for a clarifying shampoo, a moisturizing shampoo, a rinse out conditioner, a leave-in conditioner, a styling product, a setting product, and a finishing product. Like that's, and, and if they're, dear God, if they're only like 8.4 ounces, like they're going to need two of each. So like, there's, there's like money to be made. And if you look at like the amount of money, the amount of black dollars spent on hair care in our beauty industry, it is heads and tails over the amount that a non-black person, like an average non-black person would be spending on their month, uh, spending on their hair. So it's like not only like a time investment to uphold these, like these standards to go to work, to go to school, to just like live life. Um, but it's a financial, mm-hmm. a financial piece to it as well. Like that investment is huge. So you have people who are already like just showing up for life, right? Like everybody else is showing up for life, but the steps that it takes to get to that, like acceptance and that assimilation, that beauty standard, that dress code, um, just really is enhanced so much by like all the extra steps that, you know, like people with curly and coily hair have to take in order to be seen as, like you said, capable like seen as capable does not matter whether or not they're brilliant or you know organized or you know a team player or all those other things which is really like that's really disheartening and 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 it's i mean obviously it's way more than disheartening but it's just fucking wrong like it's wrong like it bothers me um And I think that like, I'm grateful, I'm grateful that, you know, the crown act is something that people are putting in place and like kudos to New York and California for getting it done, like lickety split and being, you know, a model for the rest of the United States, uh, because really, truly like it should not be like, we shouldn't have to have legislation put in peace or put in place to have like a peaceful relationship with our hair. Um, but it only, it only just really like shows like the inequity there, um, that we do. And so like, 
Hey friends, if you haven't signed the crown act, you should totally do that. Um, we'll put like a link in our episode notes or whatever, um, for you guys to do that. Because if you, if you haven't yet, you totally should. It's super important. Um, just, it's like a really, it's like a really great way to show up for people who really need you to show up for them. So, and it doesn't cost any money. So that's pretty great. And maybe one day we'll work and live in a, you know, world where there's no discrimination based on your appearance or your hair. Right. I think that's right. what everyone that's the wants goal. just to be able to show up with their whole self and not have to, like you said, like have to invest more or have to take way more time out of your day just to show up, just to be, you know, perceived as capable and professional and, Right. You know, we haven't even gotten to the point of like your performance. Right. So this is all about like <laughs> image and bias. So it's like all these things you have to do before, you know, you show up to the dance and you haven't even, right. you know, taken a first step. And that, you know, tells you a lot about, I think, the human condition. You know, mm-hmm. there was a book I have flagged. I haven't read it yet, but it was uh, I heard um, this writer talk about he did all this research about you know, just bias and just, you know, he studied, you know, people just walking down the street, someone, a stranger that walks by and, you know, quizzed them on what they thought about this person and just the amount of assumptions that, you know, we all walk around with just based on looking at someone, you Mm -hmm. know, whether they're, you know, cleanly, professional, um, intimidating, you know, um, there's even all this psychology around like symmetry, you know, and like facial features and all these types of things. So, I mean, it's interesting that, yeah, of course there's always going to be that, you know, we're, we're humans, we have baked in bias, but the more we talk about and unlearn and just realize it has no, it's not based on anything of substance. It's just, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's not going to help us get to a point where we, evolve as people and really allow people to focus on what's important. Right. And I think in the workplace, Mm -hmm. it's about your work, right. It is about, you know, the greater goal at hand. And Mm -hmm. yes, I think it gets a little blurry in the beauty industry. You know, I've definitely over the years working in like the corporate side of beauty, you know, been asked, for example, to have conversations with people who have reported to me in the past, you know, because someone thought that their, their hair, their appearance wasn't up to certain standards, let's say. And I, you know, personally have had challenge with that because in my opinion, it's about someone's work. I'm not here. I, I don't work for a beauty pageant. I don't, I've never worked for a company that people are being paid or ranked based on how they look but there's this interesting blurry line when you work I think for beauty companies on where do you draw that line about you know your contribution and then your image and then what these bigger institutions and entities may define as like Mm -hmm. all right you check the boxes like you're the best example of professional appearance um versus someone who isn't I mean in my view if you have hair you're your potential customer for a haircare company. Right. <laughs> One would think whether That's it's like, you know, right. Yeah. So, fine, medium, coarse, you know, straight, you know, wavy, curly, coily, like what? Yeah. That's a potential no. customer. So either way, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> it, we're good, right? Like what, what does it matter whether, you know, it's, it's smooth or curly or natural or, you know, mal- manipulated or protective style or, you know, or even hair color, right? Like how long did it, you know, were, was it perceived that 
you know, um, fashion hair colors, vivid hair colors were not professional. Like what garbage is that? (laughs) Honestly, for the amount of like peekaboo hair colors I've done just so that people can like wear their hair in a bun and not, you know, be called out at work or called into their office, like just that alone. But, and it's so interesting because it's like these things that are like outside of what these beauty standards are, but like, where do those beauty standards come from? Right? Like, what are they all in and around? And it is usually a very European style of like beauty and no shade. I mean, there are tons of like blonde hair, blue eye beauties out there. And I'm like, yes, I'm here for it, but it should not be the only right. Mm. Like, and I think that when we start to manipulate other people who don't have those same features into thinking that they need to change themselves in order to be perceived as like professional. Um, Like I've heard people say things like, if you don't want to, if you don't want to wear makeup in the beauty industry as a hairdresser, not even as a makeup artist, but like, if you don't want to wear makeup as a, as a hairstylist, you should probably pick a different job. Maybe you should be a nurse, but like, where is it required for nurses to like, like, so what's the, what's the, what's the requirement for a nurse to look professional? She's just got to got scrubs on, you know, like he's just got to be clean. Like that's, that's the level of professionalism they're looking for from nurses. Um, and why is it different depending on the industry? And like, who says, like, who says, um, I saw like, so again, I'm old, but I love TikTok. Right. And I'm, I'm here for TikTok in some ways and like totally against it in other ways. But I saw this, um, part of the crown act that I thought was really interesting was like, they were talking about like the military and how dreadlocks in particular locks were not supposedly a part of their dress code. And so I saw this TikTok of this military, um, military person, a, a soldier of some sort. I, I can't even tell you, you know, which game they belong to, like, could not tell you, but I could tell you female and headlocks. And what it was, what was so incredible was that instead of like cutting off her locks, she found a way to make her locks, manipulated her locks into this very profound, professional rolled up like if anyone who had long hair could roll up their hair she did it too so that she was staying in regulation uniform but still wore her locks and I think that that was such a great um, example of like what people can do as an individual to shift that narrative like right so yes we have the crown act like and it is like being lobbied all throughout the united states but like individually we have people showing up and like making these decisions and being brave and being authentic in who they are and yet like trying to work with that standard and and i think that like the innovation there is beautiful, but the thing that really makes me kind of sad about that beauty and that innovation is that it shouldn't be necessary. Mm. Like I understand that like when it comes to like military uniforms, they are, they they have a standard for a reason. Um, and, and I'm for it, but it needs to be more ex- inclusive. Like it needs to include who we are. It has to evolve. We as people evolve, right? Like that's our, that's like how we do like our, our bodies evolve, our brains evolve, like, ever, like our society evolves slowly as it is, you know, but like, <laughs> and she be, she be crawling, but she out here doing it. 
And like, I think that when it comes to, when it comes to stuff like that, it's really, I don't know. It just, it has this, like, it has this quite, it begs the question, what's your intent behind it? Like, what's your intent? Like, why Why? are you, why are you doing this? Like, why, why is blonde hair the only hair that's good? Like, or even like within the black community, why is like a certain type of curl considered good hair, but like a different type of curl is not considered good hair. Like what makes it good hair? Healthy. That's what makes it good. I can tell you as like a professional in the beauty industry for 20 plus years, healthy hair is what makes it good hair. And even when it's unhealthy, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just needs help. (laughs) I think that's it. That's it. And it doesn't matter if it's straight or wavy or curly or coily or zigzag or whatever. It is all the same thought process. It's just how we, how we choose to allow other people to put those parameters on us. And it makes me really sad. makes me really sad because I know I've fallen prey to it a zillion times. We all have. And I think what you're hitting on is a call for just showcases is how important how much more needed in you know representation, right? Because it's all about mm. who's who's writing these laws, you know, or who's mm-hmm. writing these, you know, dress codes and image standards. You know, typically a group that's, you know, making the majority of the decisions, running these institutions that, you know, don't represent everyone. Not everyone is included and represented in that. So it has come from a certain viewpoint. And the more exposure i think people have to different beauty standards ideals you know the more we break that down but it's a long road like to your point i think it's you know it's it's almost like we've all been susceptible to it because it's it's almost like we either play the game right to survive and to progress or you know i think what you see now is just a lot of people from marginalized communities just creating their own institutions or their own you know like brands and i think that's what we've really seen this big explosion of very specific niche products industries for you know people who didn't feel comfortable with these master beauty ideals right because they Mm -hmm. were excluded you know and think of gen z and i remember reading some um consumer research on this gen z has been you know said to expect radical inclusion you know and yeah the word that it blows my mind that the word radical has to be used in that because inclusion shouldn't be radical but it's not it's not a radical idea if you think about the human condition you're right you're totally yeah. right but it tells you like we still have a long way to go because you know we've all grown up with those glossy just one note type of beauty ideals through advertisement through movies right like i i love how people bring up pretty woman as a movie and just the outlandish concept when you think about this and right. you know how just that character, you know, and, and the um, just the trajectory of what happens in that movie is so interesting, you know. So it's just it's showing that, you know, as the world changes, um, you know, I think especially the last few weeks, I've been reading a little bit more about the U.S. Census data, right, and how mm-hmm. you know n- numbers and facts and figures on the changing demographics of our country they're going to make an impact because there's, you know, just the browning of America, right. That's been happening Mm -hmm. for a long time and maybe not at the top ranks of these institutions and organizations, 
um, you know, maybe we're not there yet on representation, but we're going to get to a point where the perspectives are going to, you know, be a lot more inclusive. And I think all of these, you know, types of ways of being and expectations to be professional, these narrow definitions are completely going to go away. They're already starting to, and it's just only a matter of time, you know? So I think we're living through this transition and, um, and really trying to see people for who they are and not maybe telling them they need to change all these things about them in order to fit into some professional space, which I think is, it just has no place. It just, I don't know. When you think about it from like an objective standpoint and, you know, take away all like, you know, these biases, it's, it's really should it be about like what you're contributing to what you're doing and not necessarily just the face value. I feel like it's so surface level to really task people to show up this way. And mm-hmm. to your point, I think you said it earlier, it's just all to make everyone act the same way, look the same way. Like, so it's just easier to manage and control people. Is that the yep. angle? Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like what you know, I thought, you know, it's always interesting to me to think about, you know, what we define, especially as Americans, individualistic, you know, society. But when you think about certain areas, not necessarily, you know, championing individuality in the workplace. When you think about like, you know, certain beauty ideals when it comes to professionalism, you're actually asking everyone to kind of, you know, look like each other. And that's not realistic. And it's and it really forces people to change who they, they are. And I think that's not really the path to bring out the best in anyone especially no. your professional work. You need to be able to be yourself in order to bring your best. Totally. Oh, Marcy. Okay. You, what you just said just reminded me, like, first of all, snaps all around everything you just said, everything. Um, but it reminded me of this TED talk that I watched um, when I was doing this course on inclusive leadership, which by the way, it was like a whole exercise in Mahogany's patience um, because it was really like, duh, duh. Duh, wait, people have to be taught this. People pay money to learn these things. Um, but that's just my perspective. This is this is me as I grew up. So it makes sense um, that maybe other people did need this perspective. But um, the woman who was talking, and unfortunately, I can't remember her name right now, but I will find it and I will, um, I will send it to you guys. Um, she was talking about covers and this was in like 2014, my friends. This was not like recent. This was seven years ago. So, um, she was talking about covers at work and like the things that people do to cover at work. And she started off her whole Ted talk with like explaining these like five people and their challenges and, and what they look like and their challenge. And like the thing that like they ended up having to cover when they went to work, whether it was like, I'm gay, I can't talk about it. I can't, I, I can't have a, par- a picture of my partner, my husband, my wife, my children, my family, my whatever. Um, I'm black. I always change my hair and people are continually like asking me about my hair or like making some comment about my hair. Like, how do I cover up my reaction to that? And so all of these people have all of these experiences and she goes through these experiences. And the thing that they all have in common is that they're covering something and the time and energy that they spend covering that thing that makes them outside of what the standard is takes away from their productivity. It takes away from their, their, like their brain power, their innovation, their excitement, their creativity, their, their passion. 
right? Because they spend all this brain power working on how to like assimilate and look like, like to get through the day without having, without somebody saying some shit to them, right? Like that, that, that to me, like really resonated because whether it's been in my own salon or at a hair show or in a training event or just any type of place that I've been in my professional world, like a code switch. And sometimes, sometimes that code switch is not even heard necessarily by other people because like, you know, because of, you know, people tell me I talk white all the time, which I was like, stop, let's just go ahead and stop, stop that. First of all, because, um, no matter what you think I sound like, I am black every day. So sorry about your life. Like, don't know what to tell you. Um, also like black people don't all speak the exact same way. So that's like super limited. Um, but like it really, it really did make me take inventory of all of the ways that I use covers in order to make it through a show weekend, right? Like make it through a meeting, make it through some such situation so that I don't have to like feel uncomfortable, which is hilarious because of actually making myself uncomfortable so as not to deal with other people's ignorance which that because that makes me more uncomfortable um but the idea that we have these things like i mean if you can imagine like the crown act is passed right like this is my future this is my afro futurism right here the the, the the crown act is passed in all 50 states and it's a beautiful thing and people have like learned a don't touch black women's hair in fact don't touch anybody's hair i don't care if they're white black don't fucking touch people's hair sorry i'm cussing i'm like that just really makes me angry um i actually had a woman almost touch my son's hair and i like literally want to put my whole my whole self in in front of her like i wanted to, oh she was because my babies are they're my babies don't touch my children that's weird um why people think that it's okay to touch people without their permission is weird i don't care what it is hair tattoos like skin clothing not, like not don't okay. do it yeah um i digress um but when i think about those types of things wait where were I, I i totally lost my train of thought here marcy can you help me get back to where i was before I started talking about people touching my kids and touching hair and yep, it's gone. That's all right. My point is, I guess we'll just go on. Cause this is like, this is like this real, real life with me. Um, I think that like the thought process that we have when we think that like, Oh, can you imagine this is my Afrofuturism here? We're back. We're back. We're back into the, we're back in the future here. Um, the crown act has been, passed in all 50 states people are not concerned like that is not a thing think about the great inventions that would be happening the like community-based like explosive like idea generating we equity. could be having like the ec the equity. equity like right you know because i'm not worried about somebody being like, oh, wow, Mahogany, yesterday you had an afro, today you have braids down to your waist. How do you do that? Is that all your real hair? Like that, those types of things. I don't have to worry about that. Microaggressions, all the tokenism, right? I mean, you name it, right? Like it's all the, imagine we like, eliminate that. 
right? Or like even down to other things about like, you know, being dressed for certain things, like what type of makeup do I have to be wearing? What type of like clothing should I be wearing? At my size, should I really be wearing a crop top? Like at my age, should I really be wearing a crop top? And so like all of these things are perfect. Is it professional to wear a crop top? Like I remember literally having a salon owner come to me and be like, don't ever send me this educator again. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's literally got the most gifted hands when it comes to upstyling that I have ever seen in my life. And she's like, yes, but she wore a midriff shirt and it just was distracting. I was like, hmm. So you missed out on all of the things that this beautiful young woman was telling you, sharing with you that would have grown your business because you were distracted by this like two inches of skin between the top of her pants and the bottom of her shirt. Wow. Yeah. How petty. I mean, petty. (laughs) And also like you're making this girl responsible for your distraction. It's like the same thing in schools, right? You have like these, these, they they have like these restrictions on young women. You can't Mm. wear spaghetti straps. You have Mm -hmm. to wear a skirt that's X, Y, Z because we, because you're distracting the boys, teach the boys not to be distracted. I am currently raising two, two of these like future men. They will not be worried about what the girls are wearing. I mean, they will be worried about it because (laughs) like whatever, like no matter who they choose, they will be, they will, they will be scoping for them. Right. Like, but it's not going to be like, I have access to this person because of the color of their skin, because of the clothes that they wear, because of the hair texture. Like they're never going to treat people with that little regard, right? Like that little regard. So sorry, I just went off on a whole tangent. Sure, but like if we were there, we could actually like, as people solve some pretty significant challenges that the United States faces. I mean, because I would much rather worry about like feeding hungry children than whether or not like you're cool with my braids. Like there's just like so much, so much better. Yeah. And think about the emotional bandwidth that would be like freed up. Right. Cause that's all it is. Right. It's like this emotional, like, toll about like all the stressors and the preparation and it's like this algorithm in you know the minds of people who like you know am I going to did I nail it today am I going to be you know perceived in the way I want to to get this growth get this opportunity and it starts like sending the wrong message about what matters I think that's Mm -hmm. you know the saddest part about it is like are we all just you know being judged on some surface level aesthetic ideal that one person it's very subjective and it has yeah. no bearing on your professionalism your capacity your like you said like all the innovative and amazing things you could be bringing to the table but you're having to deal with this whole segment of of life that you know not all people have to deal with and to me that's you know that's in essence like that's discrimination right that we want to stomp out we want to be able to you know remove this bias this discrimination that really makes it, you know, truly inequitable, right? Everyone isn't yeah. showing up with the same starting place or, you know, what they had to do to just to get to this point. You know, I personally, yeah. I'll tell you, I like to play little social experiments on my own without people knowing. And this is something I've, you know, like along with people watching, which I really enjoy. Also, I just have to say, like, if I've been (laughs) a part of one of these social experiments, I'm already laughing. (laughs) No, you're not. Um, But for example, um, you know, my personal life, I've always, you know, 
have some level of separation with my personal life, my professional life, but you know, mm-hmm. it's natural in, you know, in professional life where those worlds fun and people are curious and, um, you know, I'm married to a black man. So one social experiment I've played over the years is I don't outwardly, you know, share about my personal life. I don't necessarily have a picture of my husband by my desk or, you know, it's just like, how awkward would that be? You know, just to like proclaim that in a random way at work. So <laughs> like, I just you know, married to a black man. Just right. out Watch here, what you're so saying. you guys know. No, you guys I, do know. The, I do the opposite, you know, just to really see, I always want to know and, and really see people's true colors and make my own mm-hmm. decisions. You know, that's, I think, something that I always tell younger people that are like in college, what are the things they don't teach you? Like, yeah, you can learn fundamentals, but we, we don't learn in college is professional life and work is just about managing people and their emotional sides and all their baggage and all the things that we all carry. So some of it is, you know, just navigating people's biases, their subconscious feelings about people. So I've really enjoyed over the years, you know, just observe. I do my observation, get to know people and the amount of just outwardly ignorant racist things people have said in my presence, because they don't perceive me to be of, you know, maybe yes, a person of color to some degree, you know, as a, as a American born, my parents are, you know, of Cuban descent, but I always found that people have this comfort zone of just sharing their, you know, just thoughts about certain communities. <laughs> their ignorance. You can say it, Marcy, their, their ignorance, ignorance. Their ignorance yep. you know? So um, it's, it's been something that I've always, you know, just played around with, you know, because when people have met my significant other and my husband and, you know, you can almost see sometimes like they're like, Oh shit face because they, you know, know that they've said all sorts of things. And that's, what's always interesting to me because they know that they've said things that are not okay, but it's more about, Oh, well, I want to, I truly feel this way. I just don't want to say it in front of people from this community to offend them. But Right. You know, it's it's not necessarily, you know, addressing the root cause of their ignorance, right? I think that's what's right. always interesting. It's about like, oh, I just don't want to say anything to offend someone, but I'm okay saying this awful thing or ignorant thing, just not in front of those groups. So it's just, again, back to just, you know, manipul- manipulating maybe a scenario of like, or wanting to be perceived as someone who's really knowing and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, aware and, um, but really not because it's like, oh, I right. can't say anything with, you know, in this like safe group. And I think oh, totally. people just, you never know who, you know, who people go home to, who their family is, who's affected by, you know, different things that people just say the most bizarre and not okay things in the workplace. So I like to have fun to just play these social experiments and just learn people's true colors, you know, and not what they tell me they are. It's like, no, I'm going to make my own decisions. I want to see who you really are. Do you really treat all people with, you know, you know, respect and openness and, no, not everyone really has that. And that's okay. But I think in the professional space, sometimes people want to project, right? It's like just project mm-hmm. this, you know, persona that sometimes isn't really authentic. Well, and I think that you bring up a really good point because like, that's a cover, right? Like that's a cover. That's like something that someone is doing. I mean, we all have covers for different reasons, but like, I think it's really interesting and, you know, like the the amount of energy and time we spend on like projecting these images of ourselves and these professional 
in these professional experiences to then like, you know, be completely the antithesis of what like we actually are. Like that takes up time and energy that is like, could be used to be doing something good. I also think it's super interesting. And I find this, I find this, this to be interesting because I'm married to a white guy. Right. And like the, you're not wrong. The things, the shit that people will say to white people, like other like white people will say to other white people blow my mind because of course no one's going to walk up to me i mean maybe not certainly not here in minnesota i mean i've definitely had people say some shit but like they don't just like walk up and be like huh look at that black guy and the getting in the pontiac you know what i mean my husband was like i don't know what you're talking about and he's like you know like black dudes and pontiacs and my husband i have no idea what you're talking about dude like no idea and like went on to like like pull out some like nasty racist like acronym for Pontiac. And Steven was like, that's not funny. Like, I just, I don't think you're funny, but this man like really th- truly thought because Steven is a six foot tall, brown haired white guy with, you know, like just awesomeness. He's just a great guy. I love him to pieces, but like that, like that is something like, how is that professional but like me wearing my braids to work in an office is not professional. Right. Like Thank explain, you. explain, like, tell me more about that. Now, granted, I'm sure that if, you know, um, like side note, that dude got his later uh, just because just he got busted out super hard because that guy did not know that he was much like, much like you, Steven doesn't really like advertise. Cause it's not like, look at me, I'm a white guy and I've got a black wife. Look at me. How, look at how woke I am. In fact, that's another TikTok trend that I'm like, not fucking here for like, listen, white dudes everywhere. That's great that you love women of all shapes and sizes and colors. I am here for that. That should just be standard boo. That's not a new, th- that's not something you need to be celebrated for. You ain't fucking special that you like big girls. You ain't fucking special that you like black girls. You you ain't fucking special. I'm sorry. You're not it's special for that. That is fetishization. I can't say it ever. Fetishizing. Yeah. Fetishization. But like, there is this whole thought process of like, instead of ha- like just appreciating women for who they are and like loving women and just like, yeah, I'm into ladies. Look at me go. I love the ladies. Blah, blah, blah. It's like turning it into this like manipulation of like, look at what a fucking cool guy I am because I, oh, and this is the word that really kills me. The word that kills me is when people are tolerant. Mm. Like I'm tolerant. Tolerance is the key. I'm tolerant of women, no matter what size they are. I'm tolerant of, you know, women, no matter what their hair looks like, like it just, what? what like that just blows my mind but it really is like not cute to be fetishized it's not cute at all um and and especially when you're in the work environment my favorite piece of this is like when you're in a work environment and you watch white people code switch with you (laughs) the most if i had an escape button ever i would love an escape button Every time that would happen, I've seen it. Oh my gosh, so many times. I mean, my poor husband. I mean, I you oh know over the gosh. years, I've you know, like instantly, you know, like some dudes, like oh yes, I would absolutely love to do. It. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying, bro? And you're like, what? Why? 
Yep. Why? <laughs> Immediately talk about like, you know, hip hop, sports. Um, oh, yeah. And it's just like, oh boy, I wonder what this white person's going to talk to us about. It's, like, it's so, I mean, it's unfortunate and it's just, it's cringeworthy. But yes, it's like it's always like a few things go to. Mine topics. is always, Mahogany, your hair looks so great. I just love what you've done with your hair. My other favorite is, I mean, you just have such great skin. I mean, yeah, I do have good skin. I work on it. Part of it's melanin. I stay hydrated and I'm at my fucking business. That's why. That's why. That's why I look this way, friends. But it's like, you've got that caramel mocha latte. And I'm like, first of all, stop it. Stop it. That's weird. I have to ask because I was asked to explain this to someone. And I wonder if you've been asked to explain this. In the workplace, someone asked me to explain what black don't crack means. I am whole, whole dead. Oh my God. Was this recent? A few years ago. Oh my God, I'm dying. I am yes. dying. <clears throat> so black don't crack. Um, I'll just give you some examples. Angela Bassett. Like, how the hell old is she? She looks like she's my age. Mm-hmm. Like, Pharrell, um, I would throw in there. Um, he looks like he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's a damn teenager. Um, Cicely Tyson. When she passed away, she looked like she was in her late 50s, early 60s. She was much older than that. Much older than that. So um, I believe, and I don't know the science behind this, so please don't, please don't, you know, like I will, I'll do better. I'll do better and I'll research because again, like we were talking about last time, like sometimes it's just like where people come, like some people will speak with authority on something and you're like, oh, she must know what she's talking about or he must know what he's talking about. They must know what they're talking about. Like it's, but truly like two things, melanin, mm-hmm. straight up, that's first yep. one. And second one is shea butter. <laughs> like I promise you, moisturizer. There are no black people out there without like a whole, whole container of either jojoba, shea, coconut butter, butter. some sort of like, some sort of lotion situation, some yeah. sort of like emollient, deep, right? hydrating like, yeah. emollient. Yes. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. Like all of those things are so, so, so important. And um, cocoa butter obviously is a big one too. And so like for me, me, for me, it's Shay. That's, that's how I've been rolling. But like, I'll be honest. I, I never really like wore makeup growing up. Uh, so that's part, maybe part of it. And I was always about washing my face, but so like, I grew up with white people, right? So I washed with Noxzema and oil of Olay. Mm-hmm. And like, nothing wrong with either of those things, but those were definitely things that like were not working great with my skin. Cause my skin was like dry it strips. Yeah. Like Noxzema mm-hmm. pulling everything out of you. Absolutely. And so then I would put like oil of Olay on it and it was just not quite enough. Right. So there, um, so I was really grateful to like learn from some of my, my, um, my black friends, just like what that looks like, like how I can, you know, how I could create, you know, a regimen that fit my time that, because 
back then I was still straightening my hair, right? Because I was still trying to fit into that beauty standard. I was still trying to look professional. Like it is some kind of nonsense that like black girls and boys have to like go to school and look professional in order to just receive an education. Whereas like their straighter and wavier haired counterparts can throw their hair in a sloppy ass you know, messy bun up on top of their head and rolling in their sweatpants and PJs. And that's cool. But yet like a black girl can't roll in with a high puff on top of her head because that shit's distracting. Like, no, no, just no, Mm. no. There's a double standard here. And like when people try to pretend that that's not a double standard, they just come off so ignorant. They come Mm -hmm. out so thought they, they, so like I, on the one hand, am I glad that people are asking you what black don't crack means? Yes, <laughs> because they need to know. But on the other hand, like, do you not have that small computer that like doubles as a uh-huh. phone? Because yeah. you can Google it. You, you can Google just Google it, it mm-hmm. every time. If you got questions, Google that shit. And I also recognize that like I come from a generation that is like kind of like that pivot point between, you know, people who didn't have the internet at all as like, and then people who got the internet as young adults and then people who just grew up with it. Right. So like, we are that pivot point. We are that we got it as young adults, you know, generation X, like got it as adults. And, and, but we are, but we are learning how to work with it. Whereas like the generation before us, they didn't have it at all until they were much older. And so their learning curve is a little bit, um, and, and obviously not for everybody, because I remember very clearly my Nana, who Nana Irene, cutest lady, she called my mom and I when we, when I was a kid and she said, you know, we got this new doctor in town and I was like, okay. And she was like, well, he, he's, he, he, he's a, chi- a Chinaman. And I was like, Oh, pump the brakes, Nana. Pump the brakes. First of all, like one, is this man even from China? Like, like, let's start there. Let's just start there. Um, two Chinaman. Nah, never, yeah. not a thing, not a thing. Um, if you were unsure, like we went through the whole thing, we had this great conversation with her, but then it sparked more conversation. So like, even though my Nana did not have the internet, even though she did not have like the, the resources that we had, she knew that she could call my mom and I who were thoughtful about these things and ask these questions. So I, like, I, like, I'm grateful that there are people asking these questions, but I also know that there's like other work that you can do to make it so that you know people of color and like you know lgbtq plus are not your constant resource you know for all of this very important message take the initiative to educate yourself before Mm -hmm. burdening you know people from many communities that have to you know don't want to walk through life every day being you know google for you for right. these topics i mean not that google is you know also you have to be do your research and you know get your sources yes. right and good information versus just any information but agree i feel like that's been a learning for me um you know having my personal life you know intersect with my professional in some regard when you know people understand what my home life is who i'm married to all of a sudden it's just like you know, I've definitely noticed in the decade I've been with my husband, you know, just the amount of questions. And I, you know, again, I can never put myself in the shoes of a black man in America. You know, that's not something that is even possible, you know, but just our relationship has shown me just, just the amount of questions people feel comfortable asking me because of, you know, my, my marriage and, you know, wanting to know what the experience is like, but at the same time, a lot of it 
is overwhelming in a sense where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're almost thinking like, am am I just that one person, the closest proximity to blackness? I'm married to a black man. Like you've got to be able to do better. You know what I mean? (laughs) Marcy, you're saying all the things you're saying all the things like, yeah, my cousin's married to a black man. Oh yeah. You're like, okay, cool. I know all these congratulations. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so funny. Um, taking it back to like the professional piece, uh, when it comes to stuff like that, it is interesting. Like, again, you know, so I've been traveling on behalf of, you know, education for a long time. And, um, so you go to a lot of different places, right. And, you know, I, I went to Atlanta for the Bronner brothers show and was like, hallelujah. Like I felt so at home. Like everybody was cool. Everybody was having a good time. We were just like, it was, it was like a super black experience. And everyone was like into different stuff. Like there was different, there's just like the diaspora was like, huh, so beautiful. It was so, so cool to see all the ways that all these beautiful black people were showing up. And then you go to other places um, like Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota. And I'm not knocking Fargo for anything other than like these experiences were not great. Like some of them, some of them were great. Some of them not so great, but like the amount of times that like I would show up to a hair show and then in a very like non racially, you know, diverse experience where I would not only be then like an educator who was prepping models, doing models, like, you know, the assisting people, like doing all that. But like the minute I would get off of a stage or the minute people would see that, like, I was somebody who knew about hair, the questions would come at me like, oh, so my cousin married this black guy and her daughter's hair, their daughter's hair is awful and da, 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 da. So like immediately I'm now, and I'm not only doing the job of like being, you know, a hairdresser and an educator, but now it's like, I'm taking a step further into like helping to deliver some cultural competency on top of the technical skill required. And I'm not getting paid for that. Like, I'm not getting paid extra for that. I'm not, I'm not like being, I'm not being compensated for my expertise in that. I am still getting paid the exact same as every other educator, but having to do twice as much work emotional bandwidth, like you were saying, utilizing that emotional bandwidth to have this conversation with like someone who may or may not be like genuinely curious or just like looking for an excuse as to why they don't want to do their cousin's daughter's awful hair. Cause my first thing would be like, let's talk about the language. Like, let's talk about the language. Is her hair awful? Or is it just, is it, is it a lot? Is, does she just have a lot of hair? Is it high density? Is it super curly? Like what's, what about it is making it <clears throat> awful to you? Because you're also sending this message to this young child that like, not only are you the wrong ass color for Fargo, but you're also like, your hair is a problem. You are a problem. Your beauty is a problem. The steps that it takes to get you to beauty, to that beauty standard are a problem. And like, I mean, hell, I don't even know how to fight that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I grew up with that. Like there was a meme going around and, and, and I mean, this with all the love in my heart. So like, sorry, friends and family, but um, it's like, 
How old were you when you realized you weren't ugly? You just grew up around too many white people. Mm. And I was like, and it's not like I had like white people looking at me every day being like, you're ugly. You're ugly. It was never that honest. It was never that real. It was like these ways of trying to help me assimilate. It was these ways of like trying to. Right. And even today in this, in this current life, like, there are people who will totally do that. And especially like, you know, within the work that we do, you know, because it is so focused on image and beauty, like there is a lot of room for people, myself included, to grow our awareness in and around, not just like ethnicity and like, and, and, and physical aspects that way, but like gender, like for the amount of times I have to explain to people that like a short haircut is not a man's haircut or a woman's haircut. It's just a short haircut is bagonkers to me. Like, and why are we so exclusive in that like thought process? Like why, you know, again, maybe it's part of that generational like pivot point, right. Where we have people who've had these standards but who don't know how to seek out the, the, the new and now. Mm-hmm. And then we have these like generations of, of people who are like, baby, I am non-binary. I am pansexual. I am mixed race with like 75 different ethnicities. Like, and, and I'm like, yes, I love this. This is so exciting. But like, how do we continue to then be that bridge between these generations that are so different um, because I definitely house some of the, that, that baby boomer, you know, being raised by a baby boomer. I definitely house some of that, but I am intrigued by this generation Z. Like I am intrigued. I'm excited and I am empowered by them. Just like saying, I get to be big. I get to be small. I get to be Brown. I get to be, you know, whoever I am. And, and I love that. And I love seeing, you know, when I go to, you know, photo shoots or when I go to, you know, classes and, and teach, like, I love seeing all these different types of people in the beauty industry, because I feel like, you know, and I say this to every future professional class that we, we work with, like they are our future. They are the future of the beauty industry. We are the tastemakers and they don't look all the same anymore. And to me, that is beautiful. So like we have these places of beauty standards that are just like, whether it's like marketing, whether it's the product, whether it's the people selling the products, like however we're making those things happen, more diverse faces are doing all of those jobs. And if we continue to like help to remove the covers on those, can you imagine Marcy, the shit that we can come up with, like the ways that we can solve the world's problems? Like if we just like take that whole beauty standard and like, dismantle it that's what's happening i feel like in general right in our world there's a lot of dismantling of old ideology i mean it's just evolution right it's like yeah talk about survival i feel like what you're really hitting on you know i could i could relate to to some degree because i you know i would say from you know coming from an immigrant family absolutely it's about protecting Mm -hmm. surviving assimilating Mm -hmm. climbing and so it was always about you know, assimilating closer to white culture in order to, because those are the people and right. Like you live in a better neighborhood or your job, oh, yeah. you know, all these things associated with just one group of people um, who've, you know, traditionally have been in power or making all the decisions, but 
to me, the flip side of it, like what you're saying, Gen Z, like the answer is not to assimilate, it's just to be yourself. <laughs> I mean, what yes. a crazy concept, right? Like what a <laughs> wild concept to really embrace like people authentically being themselves and and celebrating differences and knowing that that's, in my view, what could make America amazing if we really mm-hmm. just dismantled all these monolithic ways of being and like everyone's yes. going to march to this one beat like no that's that's what gen z is saying no to and i'm here for it like you said it's it's energizing and gives me hope um mm. to see you know just how many new iterations of defining redefining beauty and not just one note one way of doing things that's never gotten us where we need to get I love that. And you know what? That actually like wraps right into like what we were talking about at the beginning of like what your beauty standard is like, or like what defines beauty to you. I said authenticity, you said confidence. And I feel like Gen Z, like, thank you for the lessons because (laughs) you are serving, you are serving confidence and you are serving authenticity. And like, I'm, I'm so grateful Um, for those beautiful pieces, because it's not at that point, it's not just about ethnicity. It's not about black folks. It's not about, you know, Latin folks. It's not about like, it's, it's, it's about all of us. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's truly, truly, truly like whether, whether you, no matter what side you sit on, we want you to be you. And I think that, you know, sometimes when it rubs us the wrong ways, we can feel like that's not right. But like, if it's truly who they are, if it's truly what their authentic self shows up as, I may not agree with it, but uh, I'll champion that shit every day. Right. Like, I think it's cool. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that feels like a good place to wrap this episode up for now. And then, um, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to just like reiterate you guys, the crown act, go for it. I want you to, uh, if you haven't signed the crown act yet, please, please, please do that. Um, like I said, we'll have a link for it in, um, our description. And I am so excited because next week we're going to talk about just like even more, more like beauty standards and like what that looks like. Um, what that looks like moving forward. Like how do we shape those beauty standards? Um, how do we continue to show up and support the, the, the folks who are shaping those beauty standards of today? And uh, yeah. So thank you so much, everybody. Can't wait. Marcy, you're the best. So good talking to you always. Likewise. Can't wait for the next one. For all hair types. Mm-hmm. For all hair types. Yeah. <laughs> Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to For All Hair Types. We hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, please consider leaving us a rating and review or even sending it to a friend. Follow us on Instagram at For All Hair Types Pod. Do you have a hair story you'd like to share? Send it on over to For All Hair Types Podcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. You can even leave us a voicemail at forallhairtypes.com. See you next time. For All Hair Types is created by Mahogany Plouts and Marcy Miguel Richards, produced by Taylor Lane. Oh my god, why am I such a dark, you guys? (laughs) Not at all. And then we'll put in some outro music. Like, yes. (laughs) Make it funky.